Hello, everyone. Welcome to an exciting edition of Splash Play, your favorite fantasy football podcast, where today we have our Thursday night football review. But but actually, we won't be doing that review unless you like the the the, the video down below. Okay, well, we also have our Dusty or Due for all the older players in the league segment coming up. No, no, not not unless you subscribe. I, I, I seriously will boycott. I won't do it. But what about numbers don't lie? Always a favorite. We've got that coming up, Pete, don't we? No, not, not if you don't like and subscribe to the video. I refuse to do that segment. You continue to trick me, and I won't do it. Well, you heard the man. I guess we're not going to be able to start the show unless you like and subscribe this video right now. Or else, uh, Pete, I guess, are, are you boycotting if the people don't like and subscribe? I am boycotting right now. I am going back in time. Or no, I'm jumping into the future right now. And if you don't like this video, the show will stop right now. Hopefully this quality acting has helped you hit that like button and subscribe button. And now let's start the show, Pete, if you're okay with it. I'll allow it, but I don't feel good about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of your favorite fantasy football, NFL DFS, NFL betting, sports betting, all the SEO you can cram out of one man's mouth. That is your show here on Splash Play on YouTube. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by a man who has to be the harsh taskmaster for all of your likes and subscribes. His name's Peter Overzet. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? Doing well, and I mean, why we're on the theme of tough love, I mean, we have a lot more people watching our Sunday night shows than the Thursday night, so if you're one of these fair weather Sunday night fans that aren't tuning in for Thursday, you're dead to me too. I mean, I, if you don't deserve me, no, if you don't like me at my Thursday, you don't deserve us at our Sunday, Spags. How about that? It's funny, though, because our Sunday show, I feel like, you know, both shows equally good. We both, whenever Pete and I finish a stream, we hop off here and go like, that's going to really get the people going. Lots of likes and subscribes coming in. We virtually high five, of course, as two bros wearing backwards hats always should. And uh, yeah, the Sunday videos, Pete, we're setting records with our Sunday video. Uh, Just, you know, it actually kind of hurt me. We did not crack 1K views. We finished at like 980 something, which I like round numbers, Pete. I don't know about you. Yeah, so if you are watching this and you haven't seen this Sunday, we need 20 of you to go and watch it so Chris's OCD doesn't flare up. Yeah, it would be helping me out, of course, and uh, hitting the like button and subscribing would also help me out, too, because we appreciate that support a bunch. As a little mom-and-pop show uh, that we are here, just me and Pete doing everything we can behind the scenes. Of course, it's our pal Willis, of course, on the Ride or Die picks. I might have said, of course, too many times. But hey, here's the important news you need to know right now. First thousand people who follow at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and Instagram get a follow back. Uh, though, Pete, honestly, some people may be gaming the system a bit because we've had a couple handles who followed us uh, who are maybe people trying to just bulk follow anybody talking fantasy football and then they unfollow us and I I won't shame one guy but he was like I was like oh I hate you from looking at your Twitter timeline now (laughs) wait so you were able to figure out who followed and unfollowed yeah I mean look again the OCD I want to make sure it's an equitable exchange because we if we're making a promise I expect the promise we made in return just in my real life too it's the same thing if I'm following and somebody unfollows me I feel like that's basically like telling me like hey you're a piece of shit and I don't want to be your friend anymore this is, I, I didn't realize this show was going to feature so much tough love, but I'm telling you right now, there are no take backs. 
If you follow the Splash Play pod, I mean, that is a commitment for life. You are entering uh, a lifelong monogamous commitment. I'm saying monogamous. You actually have to unfollow every single other person you follow and exclusively follow the Splash Play podcast. No, we're here for you. We, whenever you need a a little rub and or or tug, I guess in the middle of the night, we are we're there for you as your wow. as your podcast lover. Um, my my that hasn't been my experience with monogamy <laughs> of the old midnight rub and tug podcast. But whatever you guys got going on over there on the West Coast, it sounds great. I was gonna transition to say like just to clarify, this wasn't a real offer. My girlfriend, who is a real human being in the other room right now, mm-hmm. uh, one of the songs she always plays Taylor Swift because she's one of those one. Of the Swifties, which Pete, I, I can't believe fandom that gets obsessive. How could we as football fans ever think that that's a normal thing to do? But you said a line because she plays the songs all the time. Whenever anybody says a Taylor line, it's like, oh my God, now the Taylor Swift is in my freaking brain. And that's how it is. And it's one of the worst things I think that's happened to me in our relationship. I'm a Swifty too. I'm just a DeAndre Swifty and every Adrian Peterson character makes uh Carrie makes a little bit of me die inside. So, you know, a DeAndre Swifty, a tough hill to be on right now, but a uh, one hill that you will want to be on, of course, subscribing on YouTube, hitting that like button. And of course, subscribing on Apple podcasts and giving us five stars and a review. And for all the loyal soldiers, soldiers out there, the people who helped us get off the ground here on this YouTube channel, on our splash play podcast feed. Today's the big day, Pete, our giveaway. We're doing a lot of, a lot of preamble here. We're getting warmed up, but this is a big one for us. Of course, Pete, a near and dear cause to your heart. You fought on eBay to win this special piece of history. The Arnie Weinmeister signed three by five. That is three inches by five inches of index card, even in a little bit of saran wrap or whatever that (laughs) there's lamination, I think is what that would be called technically. Uh, But Pete, give the people here what they can look forward to after a ride or die picks with this giveaway, which we will announce officially. Yes, we have uh, accumulated all of the entries across our YouTube subscribers, across our iTunes reviews and across the people who retweeted the show on Twitter. I believe we are a little over 100 entrance total, uh, maybe even a little bit more than that. So we will be busting out. If you watched any of my randomizer streams this off season, I have the wheel, the wheel of names. We will spin it. It will be fully transparent above board. And one of you will come away with this piece of history, this Arnie Weinmeister signed three by five index card. I'm just realizing now it's kind of a dainty signature. Wouldn't you say, Chris? <laughs> Especially for a guy who's like, you know, an, an old timer. I forget the exact era that he played. I think the 50s is where we are. I didn't, yeah. That's not in our little info sheet on him. No, 48. Play, turn pro in 48. Like in 1948, I feel like if you had that kind of signature, uh, they might beat you in the street. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, this man. is a little beta boy signature here for our big defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah, this big mitts at a defensive tackle. Of course, a Hall of Famer defensive tackle is Arnie Weinmeister, the godfather of the splash play is what we're calling him. And, and the godfather, I guess, of effeminate handwriting, though. If you had that handwriting on your doctor, boy, you'd be getting prescriptions left and right, my friend. That is how that goes. <laughs> yeah, we will be sending you a prescription of testosterone pills along with the uh, signed autographed uh, three by five card. Just what the Weinmeister state would want from this promotion that they had no idea about and hopefully never will, I think would be the thing. I'll know a fan can heard here. Thursday night football still going on. It is the uh, halftime just wrapped up. Interesting game so far. And of course we do our little review here uh, that we figured we can go early enough with these two teams that are are fairly uh, dog shitty, I guess we can say, though I'm already breaking all the curse rules that we tried to establish for ourselves. (laughs) That's what Jets Broncos 
Broncos brings out of you, Pete. But uh, give me your take here because this game, I have one guy here who I tweeted. Uh, I was I thought about making it a full and one mixtape of Brett Ripien because I saw one game of his in college on YouTube and was like, yeah, I'm playing this dude like real heavy tonight. I just like, <laughs> like what he's doing in this one half of football against Air Force. He's my main takeaway. I think he's looked really good. Darnold looked fast in that first drive. I had his little Mike Vick run for 40 yards and a touchdown. But uh, for the most part, this game, ugly, but... I'm entertained by the ugly kind of football, Pete. I don't know about you. Yeah, I know. It was like a popular joke on Twitter this week to be like, oh, Jets, Broncos, third string quarterback. I mean, this is awful. And it's like, guys, I was playing like League of Legends DFS (laughs) every night four months ago. I mean, are you kidding me? This is great. Getting to make showdown lineups, getting to watch NFL football. Who cares if it's not like the A-plus product that we sometimes get with Seattle and Dallas? Like, I'll take it, and uh, it's NFL football. Beggars can't be choosers. It is funny, though, the Thursday night football short shrift compared to Monday night football game that Pete and I talked about a couple weeks ago and actually looked up on the schedule to see uh, the Packers-Falcons game and when that would be happening. Uh, That's the Monday night football game. And then this one on Thursday night football, um, about the exact opposite of that one with a very high total. But uh, anybody jumping out to you player-wise here? Because I know, you know, I do think there is value in watching bad teams. For me in the NBA in particular, I think there's a lot of value in just understanding the Charlotte Hornets of the world. And for football, I think, too, when people automatically write off a, a Brett Ripien or what, Ripien? I feel like they've been saying his name some way that I is not in my brain at all. Ripien? I, I've heard Ripien, but now I've everyone keeps making Ripien puns that now I don't know if it's Ripien or Ripien. I think it's I think Joe Buck is saying rip and that's the one I have it on mute right now in the background, but he looks like he's willing to sling the ball around. And um, I I, granted, I did believe in Jeff Driscoll a couple weeks ago. That didn't work out, but I like what these guys they have in the offense, even without Cortland Sutton out there. And Noah Fant, hopefully not as hurt as he looked there limping off the field a couple plays ago. But, you know, Jerry Judy is fast. He had that Randy Moss play, which we tweeted out from the splash play handle, but you probably saw it a lot of different places out there. Like these guys are burners. And if you have a guy who's willing to throw it up and let him make plays, I think that's all you need with Melvin Gordon in the backfield. Yeah. And that was the thing about the Broncos heading into this season is everyone was like, uh, the jury's still out on drew lock, but man, you can't ignore these weapons. They use a first round pick on Judy. Noah Fant looks like again, you know, injury permitting that he could have a top five tight end season, just really athletic. And, and then, yeah. And then you got Melvin Gordon, who still has got some juice there. And, of course, they lost Cortland Sutton, so that takes a little bit of the shine off. But yeah, the, the Broncos still have interesting weapons, and they can make big plays. The Jets, it's a lot harder to get excited about yeah. the Jets. I mean, Jamison Crowder is like efficient. You know, he's your, you know, uh, Julian Edelman on, on the Jets, which is fine. It's hard to get excited about that. And then they just have the grossest committee at running back right now, a true like four-way committee. So Um, I'm a little mad because I had a lot of Josh Malone as my like one-off like deep play and it. Jeff Smith was apparently the generic name, $200 Jets receiver you needed. And he just got targeted on a deep throw downfield, just drew a PI actually looks like on the 10 yard line on the Jets 10 yard line. Uh, So they're going to be in the red zone coming up. But yeah, Jeff Smith. um, I also played Chris Hogan because somebody has to run outside there. You would think with no Perriman. Um, Josh Malone was out of the lineup last week. So I was like, okay, that maybe means he's not going to play. I didn't see the Jeff Smith is starting news, but he's been getting targeted pretty heavily running outside and. Um, I mean, the issue with this Jets offense is just, as Pete mentioned, it stinks and they also don't throw deep downfield enough. But is there any hope for you with Sam Darnold? I'm, I'm always a little predisposed to wanting to see him do better than he has because he is a USC guy. But I just feel like there comes a point sometimes with these quarterbacks where you get ruined by being on a bad team long enough, especially as a QB in those formative years. And I kind of worry sometimes where he makes those bonehead plays like, oh, you are not making any improvements at all. 
Yeah, I think the thing, I mean, how many examples though are of guys going to die underneath Adam Gase? It, like as a thought experiment, if you swap out, if you put Sam Darnold on the 49ers right now with Kyle Shanahan, he's probably like a top 12 fantasy quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, the run game would take some pressure off of him just being able to do the things that like Garoppolo does when he has easy days. So I agree, it's all about the situation. And it kind of sucks because the situation with Gase, I, 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 Gase was a guy I really would have thought would have been fired in the offseason and he's back out there. And you see this team just does not have any motivation behind him and his Steve Buscemi eyes. Yeah, and I mean, there's I, I'm now blanking on it, but there's just such a long list of guys like Devontae Parker and, you know, who have escaped the Adam Gase coaching tree and then gone on, you know, to have great careers. Like Tannehill. fifth year break. Who, who else? I know there's a couple others I'm forgetting. Well, Tannehill's the famous one Tannehill, where like yeah. people can really point to that. And, you know, Tannehill in Tennessee, you know, he's clearly not actually Russell Wilson. I'm not, don't, don't take this comparison uh, too close to heart. But in terms of efficiency, like he was basically on per plays as efficient as Russell Wilson last year, this year, a little bit less so, but still looking better. And, you know, that's the best example you have, a guy who came up under the Gase tree and it was just throwing slant passes to Jakeem Grant over and over again. And um, he and the Brock Osweilers of the world, like you couldn't tell the difference between at all. Yeah. So, I mean, in Adam Gase too, I forget who I was listening to, but they were talking about how like the incentives just are not aligned. And they were talking about, I think it was the defensive player Becton who they rushed back tonight. And then he got re-injured and all of this stuff where it's like, He's making, because there was a rumor that Gase would get fired if they lost this game. Right. So now all of a sudden you have a coach rushing back guys from injury. I, I mean, I'm watching Crowder. He doesn't look like he's 100% with that hamstring. And so the coach is making decisions to save his own ass. That's not taking into account the best long-term interests of the team. And I always think that's just like a dangerous spot to be in where the incentives are not aligned for the coach in the organization. Yeah, now that is a tough one here, and we'll we'll keep watching the game, and if any of our showdown lineups shake free, of course, you are with the showdown thought leader, Pete Overzet, and, and me, who, you know, won a showdown slate that night, too, but didn't quite lean into the brand quite as much, but yeah, it, it's really working for you. Yeah, you really got overshadowed. I'm sorry about that. You know, it's, any other night, it, you could have been the splash play king of showdown, and uh, you just had you just had bad timing. No, you're, you're the spy king, the the showdown thought leader. There's too many uh, accolades racking up here for Pete, but that's why we do this show. And another reason we do this show, uh, of course, is for your likes and subscribes. We're going to do this a little more, guys, so deal with it if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. But we need to make sure for those ADD YouTube people, of which you might be one of, hit that like button and subscribe because it no, helps no, us let's, out No, no, let's not let the audio people off. You're, you're listening to it on a podcast app. You can pull up YouTube right now and go toss us a, a YouTube subscribe, or you can give us an iTunes review if you haven't done that as well we've been getting some of those uh thank you for your nice comments there yeah we appreciate the support a bunch here because it's just us two here doing everything that we can to bring you guys the best news and the best segments and a new segment we're bringing this week after uh we were i was on the fence about doing grandma's boys again because i enjoyed that but it really did feel like that was a one week ty hilton thing but the important thing we found a new way to talk about ty hilton and the ways that he can crush me this week dusty or do we tease it up top here but pete the premise you of course, not as big of a fan as people know from watching a lot of your content and, of course, our shows. Not as big of a fan of the older football players out there, whereas for me, it's all about volume, all about opportunity, all about not being completely washed up, but still, you know, having some experience and being well-formed in the offense, I think, does help. But, Pete, we got to talk to T.Y. Hilton up top here, and are you ready to make an official verdict on him after another down week? The one, I can make the argument, the Jets were getting blown out. The defense did everything it had to do. Even Jonathan Taylor didn't get there because of that blowout game against uh, for the Colts against the Jets. So, T.Y. Hilton, for you, is he dusty or is he do? 
Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm generally going to break ties against these guys. Uh, You know, T.Y. Hilton's 30 years old now, starting to enter that kind of age cliff. However, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to actually say on T.Y. Hilton that he's due, partly because I think that when I watch him, he doesn't seem dusted. He seems like he still has some juice. And to me, it's more a product of this offense. They've been in a couple really slow-paced games with the Vikings and the Jets, and they haven't been throwing the ball a ton because they've been doing it on the ground. But now you keep having these injuries to their wide receivers. We see Michael Pittman go down. We see Paris Campbell go down. I mean, it's really T.Y. Hilton and the tight ends at this point. Like, if that volume continues – T.Y. Hilton has to have a bounce back at some point. However, I do not like this game at the Bears this week. You know, it has a 42 point uh, or 43 over under total. So another kind of slow pace slog. So I I guess I'm talking in a bunch of different directions here. I don't think T.Y. Hilton is dusted, but I also don't think maybe this is the week where he gets going. I think that's why we, we know that you are now an elite level tout where you can make credible arguments for both sides and hopefully come out right on the end there. But I, I agree with needle. you. I do. I think this matchup against Chicago, I mean, we saw Calvin Ridley. He's been an absolute monster this year. Get some results there on a couple of deep plays, the kind of plays that T.Y. Hilton can get. But, you know, that's Calvin Ridley, who right now I think is operating as at as elite of a level as anybody at wide receiver, even though, you know, we saw last week, no Julio out there. He was still getting results against the Bears defense. That's not as good as it was a couple of years ago, but still competent enough. And I think T.Y. Hilton's going to have this week. He's still getting a deep targeted game. He's still in the mix for it. There is also no Paris Campbell in there to take away a lot of volume. So I would say he's due. I don't know if it's this week he's due, though. If Nick Foles comes out slinging it, we'll talk about in our numbers don't lie segment, one possible stat for him. Uh, He was slinging it in that comeback game against Atlanta. And I think if Chicago does continue to press the ball downfield and they could get some results against Indiana or Indianapolis rather, and they could actually have, you know, T.Y. Hilton maybe needed to do a little bit more if Nick Foles is what they hope he is. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it. Let's keep a candle on for T.Y. Hilton. However, I am blowing out the candle on AJ Green. This is like, you know, a fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You know, this is now the third week in a row where he's had the air yards. He's had the targets. Joe Burrow tossing a ton, and he's just not getting anything done this past week. Only five receptions for 36 yards. And you can't blame it on the offense, right? Because Tyler Boyd is racking up catches in yards and they're throwing it a ton. And when I do, uh, you know, put on my film grinder hat, AJ Green does not look good to me. So official ruling from Peter here, AJ Green is dust. Yeah, AJ Green worries me, and I don't know that I would consider him dust quite as much as I would say that this offense may have just passed him by where he missed last year, the first year for Zach Taylor, you know, running this offense, trying to make it have some strides there where Tyler Boyd got fed a lot. And then this year you have T. Higgins coming in, and this week, um, actually, there's something that Peter mentioned on Sunday, which I hadn't uh, paid full attention to, but John Ross being out of the lineup, it does seem like T. Higgins took all of those routes. He actually led the Bengals in routes in week three. He ran 43 routes compared to 42 for Boyd and 41 for AJ Green and that's not a big difference between these guys but if Higgins is going to be out there as much as AJ Green or not or more I mean you have to consider too sometimes when you have these younger guys T Higgins and Joe Burrow both rookies they're probably a better chance that they were doing some offseason work than Joe Burrow was with AJ Green coming off the injury so I think I think you're right here I think it's going to be tougher for AJ Green to get off but you know maybe T Higgins having the results having the touchdowns last week maybe that does open things up a little more for AJ Green so I'll still say do I'm not fully dust level with him. 
these are the two old guys we talked about, Pete, but is there anybody aged in particular who you feel like jumps out? Because for the most part with these guys, I feel like those are the two who continue to pop up for me where I'm like, I don't know what to believe in. So this this other guy isn't as old, but when you adjust for like running back age curves, Todd Gurley is on the older mm. side at 26. And he's a guy that people were drafting in the third or fourth round. You know, they're excited about him in this Atlanta offense, but he continues to disappoint. Even last week, he had 14 carries for 80 yards and he did get in the end zone, but he's only has one reception and you see him losing work to Brian Hill and Basically, last week was like his best case scenario, uh, and he still only has 15 PPR points. So with as bad as Atlanta is and how much they're just having to pass in negative game scripts, the fact that he's not getting receptions is really, really going to kill his value. He's like a poor man's Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's at a much better offense, and even Kenyon Drake hasn't got it going. So I'm worried about Todd Gurley. I'm going to say he's dust. I, I guess I'm going to take the other side. <laughs> Once again, I will defend all of our AARP uh, threatening favorite football players. 26-year-old uh, geriatrics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those knees might be the knees of a 70-something-year-old man, but actually one of my friends who's been a loyal listener to the podcast, so shout out Brooks, uh, who is uh, really considering a trade for Todd Gurley, and, and he was asking me, like, oh, would you try to trade for this guy Todd Gurley, or this guy's team, rather, uh, Todd Gurley or Kenyon Drake, and I was like, I think he's probably more likely to give up Gurley, and if you are going to trade for Gurley, like you're taking Pete's logic, and you probably are getting him at a discount for a guy who's still, they're trying to feed him 25% of the team's touches in a given game, like they're still giving him the ball, he's still getting some, uh, actually a good amount of that red zone work, getting 4.7 uh, goal line carries or red zone carries overall, and uh, also a good amount within the five-yard line too, so the TDs can pop up, I agree, the pass game work not there anymore, you know, definitely not like it was at his apex for the Rams either, only running 16 routes a game. But I think, you know, if you're willing to absorb the risk and your running back sucks, like tethering your running back or tethering your team to a running back who's a part of a really high-profile offense, if they don't trail from behind, but they still have the passing game results, like he's going to get some easy touchdowns and not an every-week play, but I think, you know, if you're desperate, he's a guy who can get there. And I would also say, if you do, I will not sign off on trading for Todd Gurley, but I will say maybe wait until after this week because people look at the box score and they'll see, oh, he had 80 yards and a touchdown, like not too bad. You're probably not going to get as big of a discount. Wait for after Monday on the road against the Packers. Uh, I think you might get more of a dud there and then you can really swoop in with those vulture offers. I know the Packers given up five and a half yards per rush, so I think Gurley actually might get a bit of a spike. I know uh, we don't talk about the Monday game too much in advance because uh, it's more of a Sunday night thing for us here on Splash Play when we do that show, but I think that there might be opportunity for Gurley in the showdown lineup, so you know, if it's me, I might consider trading for him now. If, if you are desperate and you're trying to get somebody who's a little under market, but yeah, I agree. He's still not that under market because anybody for the most part is going to know he's getting the touches. Uh, speaking of getting the touches, here's the time, of course, for America's favorite game to play at home, Numbers Don't Lie, where we give Pete three amazing stats, and then Peter will guess which two of the stats are true and which one is fake. And, and Pete, have no fear. This week, I did, in fact, make one stat fake. <laughs> Okay, yeah, if you didn't tune in last week to this, boy, did I sniff this out. You were amazing. Uh, I was having to sniff through multiple levels of subterfuge <laughs> from Chris, but I'm, I'm happy to know that this is all above board and I can just play it straight. Yeah, it ended up being that Pete got it right, even though it was more that he got it right because I screwed up <laughs> and put in a correct stat that wasn't actually correct. But this week, though, double-checked, fact-checked, Trey and I labored in the, the NFL stat library for hours, <laughs> just going through all sorts of books. We found a couple here. First stat here, numbers don't lie. Monday Night Football's Falcons-Packers game that we just talked about over 
open at a 58-point over-under, a massive total by any standard. If it ends at 58 points, it would become just the fifth game in the last 18 years to have that high of a line. First blush for you, Pete. How does that feel? So, you're, oh, you're saying the close, not that the game scores more than 58 points, but that just the, the line, line, the Vegas closes. line. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, man, that seems, I mean, it is a big number, but I would have just assumed there would have been more than five games in the past 18 years that would be higher than 58. So that, that one, my, my spidey senses are tingling on that. Also, one of those things, too, where that, that happens to line up perfectly with the year that the Ravens won the Super Bowl and then the Patriots won the Super Bowl and then the league started to shift a bit, which I uh, just kind of interesting one. So if it is fake, it's a really great fake. I'll say that much. Next stat up here, numbers don't lie. Gonna, don't don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back for that. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a little strain. It's a little strain. Got to get it loose there for to pat yourself on the back. Next stat up, and numbers don't lie. New England's secondary gets a lot of credit for high-level play. But even with their high standards, they've allowed a league-low 55% completion rate, while star corner Stefan Gilmore allows just 0.1 yards per route covered so far, handing into their marquee game versus Kansas City in week four. Pete, you know this New England defense has been good for years, but how does this one make you feel? Yeah, this one is now where I'm real. Like last week, I was able to like sniff out air yards for KJ Hamler, but when you get on the defensive side of the ball, that's where I really get lost. Uh, I mean, I know last week against the Raiders, uh, Darren Waller did nothing after coming off of that huge game. And then it was kind of Hunter Renfro who ran free. And obviously Stefan Gilmore wouldn't have been covering Renfro. So I do believe that Gilmore could be playing at an elite level this season. I mean, you're a sick, sick pup. If you're like putting in fake defensive cornerback completion rate stats. So this has to be true. It better be true. We'll find out coming up here. Last question of numbers don't lie. Nick Foles may have only played one half of football versus Atlanta, but that didn't stop him from showing his massive fantasy potential. Foles threw nine passes of 20 plus yards, second most in the league in week three. Pete, Nick Foles here. Actually, well, you give me your take on this one. And then, of course, your final pick for which of these numbers don't lie this week. Yeah, so, I mean, I was watching that game. Allen Robinson was a guy I was very excited about in DFS last week, so I was, I was stoked to see Foles come in and push the ball downfield. Yet, even then, nine passes of 20-plus yards feels high to me. Like, if you just asked me, I probably would have said, I, I don't know, four or five. So, like, nine seems really high. I, I'm leaning toward this one being the number that is in fact lying is that your official answer is that your is that your final Regis, answer that's my reach am, am i allowed to phone a friend here can i get someone from <laughs> pro football focus on the line maybe uh, next week a, a little tease next, next, next week that's right okay i will it's my final answer regis so it's nick Foles. nick Foles. The incorrect answer is New England secondary. Uh, I did make up a defensive stat. Actually, part of the reason why I made it up is because this week I added some individual defensive matchup stats to my sheet. And this oh. actually, this is why I put it in because you would think, you know, I, I, a lot of the biases we carry, uh, carry over year from year or year over year rather, where New England last year was an amazing defense. This year, they're giving up a 72% completion rate, giving up just under eight yards per pass, which is a very high number, giving up almost an 8% TD rate. Stefan Gilmore actually given up 1.6 six yards per route covered, which is a very high number. Um, also, uh, who's Jonathan Jones also giving up a pretty high number too. Um, he'll be getting Tyree kill. Both those guys should be shadowing this week. So this to me is why I am mentioning it because I think the Patriots actually might get smoked by Kansas city here because that passing offense is um, going to be very difficult to stop. If Hardman looks like he looked earlier in this week and, uh, yeah, the new England defense, not good anymore. Apparently. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a spoiler uh, for our ride or die because I'm with you on on New England getting smoked at that current line. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting one. And of course, our ride or die picks will coming up in a bit. And of course, the giveaway that is the big thing. I got to I have to stop saying of course. Like I I feel like that's the thing. I'm assuming that the people watching us are so smart they just know everything we're going to talk about. So of course, we're going to get back to that coming up in a bit. Oh, Broncos touchdown, Tim Patrick. This Brett Ripian. Look at he's ripping it. I'll tell you what, Pete. <laughs> Dude, that was a nice throw. I just saw that here on on my little Roku delay. Uh, that was a dime from people. Riffin. Like this is one thing for showdowns. Just I guess for future notice for when you have these situations, which probably don't happen a bunch. But Nick Mullins, Brett Rippy, and these guys who have decent college reels out there, who people just don't want to play because they don't know who they are and assume they suck because there's no you know there's no sample size for them. Sometimes it's worth just getting over the field on these guys in the games because, like, this is their one chance. This is Ripian's one chance to make a make a roster, really, to be on the team moving forward. And uh, Blake Bortles breathing down his neck, and he's slinging it in a way that I think a lot of people wouldn't have expected. Yeah, and I, I'd mentioned this on another show, but, like, Mike Clay had a tweet storm about him. A tweet storm. Two tweets. Uh, he had two <laughs> tweets about, about Ripian uh, that he was really good in college at Boise State, like you mentioned, uh, and had a high completion percentage and pushed the ball downfield and had a low interception percentage. So those are the things we're looking for in a quarterback. And, uh, yeah, some of these guys just have, again, here, put on my film grinder hat. They just have the it factor where they come in and they're not afraid of, you know, oh, shit, this is my first big NFL start. And uh, ripping, he, he's ripping it. He doesn't seem to be scared at all. No, oh, and then also coming from a college team named the Broncos, maybe that gives you a bit of an edge coming into a pro team. It's just, you know, it just feels right is the way that I would see it. Another thing that feels right, of course, is our week four overview coming up. And I think the first thing we have to hit on, we made a, I would say a, bro- a bold proclamation a couple weeks ago about how proud you were of the NFL and their COVID testing protocols and the fact that, you know, you compare it to college, which had so many games canceled. The NFL players, they're pros. They know what to do here. They're making the sacrifice. You keep seeing players talking about how uh, they have to choose their team over everything else. And we did see the Titans uh, having some infections spreading through their locker room. Uh, the Steelers also having some issues or some concerns with their situation. Um, actually, I forgot, honestly, who tested. It was the Titans who have six tests, right? Yeah, the Titans have success. Uh, either way, the game got canceled, Pete. So uh, it looks like it'll be rescheduled for week eight because there's a bye week they can move around. Uh, so that seems to be the case for for these two teams. But any sort of lean here? I mean, I, we had to know it was going to happen at some point, especially with the NFL, I think having a lot more fake protocols than real ones compared to like the NBA, who we've lauded enough on here. But how does this make you feel about, I guess, the rest of the games where uh, you had worried initially about the idea of just having some times where every week there's going to be a game getting ruled out? Yeah, I, that's the thing. I think we we all expected it. And yeah, I, you know, I was very thankful that it took this long to even have it happen. And based on how it transpired, it actually seemed like there would have been a chance that they would have played on Tuesday, but there was another two confirmed tests, another Titans player and one of their team personnel after the initial test. So I think at that point, they're like, it's just too, too much to get them enough practice time, open up the facilities and play. So it looks like they'll have a scheduling kind of mess there, but you know, we knew this was going to happen. Hopefully the NFL has a lot of these contingency plans in effect. And obviously for fantasy, um, it stinks if you're relying on, you know, James Connor and Derrick Henry. I will say I have a ton of AJ Brown and he has been banged up with that knee bruise. Um, and I'm happy for him to get an early bye week here and hopefully uh, get rested. 
Yeah, they definitely need him back out there. And uh, James Conner, I could use this week as well, but that's after Christian McCaffrey and Raheem Mostert both went down in my, my season long league. But uh, that, that's life sometimes. And I think the one thing, for, oh, Noah Fant. So he came back in the game and now he's being carted off. So that's not oh, great for Noah Fant. carted off? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. He's, yeah. Um, so Noah Fant looks like uh, you might want to maybe get some Nick Vanette shares or some Jake Butt. Anytime you get some Butt in your life, that's always a, a great option. Uh, probably the first time anybody's made that joke today, Pete. <laughs> yeah, a late night rub and tug or get some Butt, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> uh, what else are we looking forward to this week? And I'll say for me to lead off here, um, Dallas and Seattle, I feel like just watching these teams play every week. I think Dallas, Seattle, and Atlanta those three games every week, I want to know. I want to have a lot of exposure to those games. I want to be on the other side. I want to watch those games. Like these teams are playing at very high rates, playing Dallas again, still playing one of the fastest paces in the league, snapping the ball just under 20 seconds. And for a frame of reference, the fastest teams last year were around high 24, uh, 25 ish. So it is a significant change here for Dallas with uh, Mike McCarthy's analytic style approach uh, that I don't know. It doesn't seem to be working that well, but fantasy wise, it looks great. Um, I'm intrigued by these teams, Pete. And I guess, for you, do any of these games jump out amongst those three high-octane offenses? Yeah, I was just going to say my kind of big thing is just the overall, uh, the amount of high-scoring games we have. So if you include Monday Night Football, we have eight games with an over-under over 50. So last week we saw, you know, especially for DFS purposes, everyone gravitating towards Seattle-Dallas uh, because it was one of the few kind of obvious high scoring games this week, you can really choose from a ton of different games. And, you know, from a DFS perspective, that's just super fun because you can play really good plays that aren't necessarily going to be high owned. So I'm just excited for some shootouts this week. Do you have a a read here on what's going on? Because we're seeing, you know, the Nick Foles number definitely jumped out. The fact that he actually did throw, you know, nine times downfield in one half of football, though, granted, you know, was playing from behind. So that's going to skew the numbers a bit. But I do feel like, you know, at least in the early part of the season, these teams were throwing deep more. But you're also getting the defense is not looking as good because of that lack of training camp. It was a, a theory a lot of people had about betting some overs initially because of the defense is looking weak. I think we're seeing so many incredibly bad defenses, including the ones that are playing tonight uh, with, the, with the Broncos and the Jets. Like, I think it's a little bit of both where teams are thrown deep a lot and the defense sucks. You're getting this kind of perfect storm of offense where even games like Tennessee, you know, Minnesota are going off in meaningful ways. But do you have any reason or any sort of lean for why it is? Because it, it does jump out as being something of an aberration, but it also could just be the way the NFL is going with, you know, the basic move to flag football that a lot of people have complained about over the years. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I'm always on the side of like a, a good offense is going to beat a good defense, just the way the rules are set up in this league. And I think it is heightened by the the shorter training camps, all the soft tissue injuries we're seeing here. Because like I look at this Jets Broncos game and I, I honestly think like a year ago, this could be a 10-7 game through three quarters. But because we see these injuries, because we see the teams uh, with banged up secondaries, uh, there's just more points to go around. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a trend that is um, uh, magnified by the, the situation for this year. And one thing that jumped out to me, which we're seeing, I think, tonight in this Broncos game with the Jets, the the Jets had like a 27% missed tackle rate, which you know certainly a bit of an aberration. Like they're basically missing a tackle on 27% of their plays. And, you know, that kind of thing doesn't happen, I think, with a full training camp quite as much. And it is the Jets and, you know, it's Greg Williams, possible new interim uh, coach for the Jets, Greg Williams coming up there. 
But certainly some things to watch here, and at least for now, to me it feels kind of like if you're a person who has played MLB DFS or bet on some of those sports during the summers, like the hitting is better in the summers because the ball flies out of the park, and that's what the NFL is right now. It's basically a Major League Baseball and Coors Field uh, because of these defenses being so bad. Um, so that's that's where I would land with it right now. Um, another thing that's important here, of course, besides hitting the like button and subscribe, if you're tuning in and skipping around, make sure you do that on YouTube because it does help us out. And leave a comment too. That would be something we'd appreciate. We we hear from you guys on Twitter. We hear from you guys a bunch. We, let us know what you're thinking. If we gave a bad take, which Pete, I think seems impossible, but I would love to hear some from some of our fine folks down in the comments. Yeah, let's let's get some of your your hot takes here. Obviously, too, when we get to our ride or die picks, if you want to take a side, if you want to toss yours out, I will explain the extremely convoluted convoluted scoring system, and you too can play along with us. It is it is a lot like the Dewey Decimal System that Pete will explain later for our ride or die picks. But play along with us. Leave us your best ride or die pick down in the comments below. Uh, let's get on to the next segment here. An important one for you guys this week: the injuries that actually matter, and one. Uh, my curse with our waiver wire snake draft is becoming an actual thing where Michael Pittman had a compressed leg. Jeff Driscoll got benched this week. Alan Lazard coming off a monster day with Devontae Adams, maybe not getting back in the lineup this week. Does seem like his hamstring could take a little bit longer, though uh, the jury's still out on that one. Has a monster 146-yard game. Looks good. Now he had to get uh, like a surprise surgery, uh, a definitely out-of-the-blue surgery, and uh, that doesn't look great for the Packers, Pete, but... Does anybody benefit here if we assume that Adams is going to be out again? Yeah, so yeah, that core muscle surgery for Lazard, it does not sound good at all. It does sound like uh, Adams is on the good side of questionable. I was reading uh, Gene Bramel at Football Guys kind of breakdown, and you know he was saying that it's great that for both Devontae and Julio that they play Monday, so they get an extra day. But he said Adams looked more on the good side and Julio looked more on the doubtful side. So I think we can assume Adams is going to play. I don't think Marquise uh, or Marquez Valdez Scantling's role changes a ton. He's just kind of like that deep threat clear out guy. I would kind of comp him to the Michael Gallup in this offense where he's going to get a lot of air yards. It's going to be spotty how much he connects, but when he does, it will be in a big way. I almost think, Robert Tanyan might be the biggest beneficiary here. He's coming off of five catches, 50 yards in that touchdown. He seems to have passed Sternberger as that tight end and they clearly need playmakers outside of Adams and MBS. So I'm kind of looking to Tanyan here. Do you, do you have anyone else you're eyeing? Now, Tanyan, I think, is the, probably the right call there. He had 20 routes run last week, third on the team, uh, behind Lazard's 32 and Valdez Scantling's 31. I think I'd take a little more of a flyer on Valdez Scantling because I don't know who runs behind them. And we might see a, a situation like Jeff Smith for the Jets today where a guy comes in and we don't know who he is, and all of a sudden he's running outside and getting a ton of meaningful work. But like Darius Shepard is a guy they had running 15 routes last week, but a lot of them were out of the slot. So. I presume he would stay in the slot. Maybe they don't go with a second outside guy. They just go with the tight end and Shepard running out of the slot. So I think MVS is the one that gains. I agree, though, that it's like kind of a crapshoot play. Though against Atlanta, I feel like that's much less of a crapshoot play where, like, I know if, if, if Adams is out, I'll probably play a lot of MVS at captain for that showdown. Yeah, in, in that game, too. I mean, it has a 56 and a half. Uh, over under, I mean, you're going to be able to get funky with a lot of these uh, Packers. Like we're, we're going to be able to be digging into the, the Sternbergers and whatever wide receiver four I can't think of right now, uh, just because they're going to score so many points against the Falcons. All of those running backs are probably going to be involved 
as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be a fun showdown slate. You're probably some more pass game work for Aaron Jones and probably Jamal Williams too, uh, based upon the lack of depth. They seem to have a receiver at this point. Uh, Devin Funches really screwed them over pretty bad, which uh, that's what you get for relying on Devin Funches, I guess. <laughs> Man, that feels so long ago that he opted out. That really feels like an eternity ago. He and Damien, Damien Williams, I think was the worst opt out. Like that was the one where I was like, you brother, you are not getting that job back. Yeah. I I really think that Damien Williams was going to be getting like 60% of the work for at least the first half of the season. And then uh, they were like, nope, uh, I guess we're going to roll with CEH. And that seems to be working out pretty well. He looks like an absolute monster. Another guy who's looked good so far who's another injury that matters, Chris Carson, limited in practice ahead of Seattle's game at Miami. So this is one where you could actually have seen, or you could see him get some work. He's limited in practice, but I think it's one to watch because if he's out, I do think Carlos Hyde becomes a play that I would want some exposure to. I do think that Seattle's going to throw a lot when they have to. I think they're still not quite letting Russ cook as much as people think. I think they're letting him cook in situations where you have to keep putting up points. But against Miami, that's a kind of a crapshoot whether you have to or not. But Pete, how are you feeling here about Chris Carson? Limited in practice, maybe as a shot to get in, but definitely had a, a not great tackle that Pete Carroll was not happy with that hurt him. Yeah, to me, like it was surprising that he is even thinking about playing this week. It sounded like that knee sprain was like pretty bad. The other thing is they have a bye week six. So they're at the dolphins who aren't a formidable opponent. Then they're at home versus the Vikings who they should be able to beat. And then you have the bye week and you come out and you have some really tough games, Cardinals, 49ers, bills, Rams, Cardinals, again, like why not just rest Carson give him a month off and you have Carlos Hyde who can bruise. They have Travis Homer who's going to catch passes. So I'm, yeah, I've been enjoying watching Carson play. He runs hard. He's a fun guy to roster in DFS, but it doesn't make sense to rush him back here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think in this particular matchup too against Miami, you know, uh, certainly a team who could be feisty, but one that you would assume Seattle should be able uh, to hopefully put away for for their fans. Um, I think Hyde and Homer should be in the mix. And uh, it's worth noting, Carson also leaves behind 21 routes run a game. Um, and he's been getting targeted pretty well in the past game as well. So there's going to be some more room for production there, uh, whether it is Homer getting more work or if Hyde even starts to run some more routes. Uh, not his forte necessarily, but... Who knows? Who knows how they'll use him? Another game, another team, rather. Uh, very reliant on running backs, who's very hurt. Uh, Raheem Mostert looks like he's not going to play again. Jarek McKinnon banged up, but does look like he'll play. Jimmy Garoppolo expected out, and George Kittle back for the Niners. So what do you make of this Niners team, who is going to be on the Sunday night game, so they're not in the main slate for DFS, but uh, should be in the marquee matchup? Where would you lean here with uh, these injuries once again here for San Francisco? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty even split. You know, I always gravitate toward McKinnon just being the more athletic, explosive guy. But when you look at Jeff Wilson's line, I mean, he has 12 rush attempts. He has three receptions for 54 yards and gets that touchdown. He's going to be incredibly involved. I mean, it seems like it's almost like a 60-40 touch split with Wilson on the good side of the 60. So against the Eagles at home on Sunday night football, I think you can start both Wilson and McKinnon and Wilson's probably the better start. Yeah, I think that's a a fair point. And Wilson's had a nose for the end zone. We talked about it with him and we discussed these guys last week. I thought McKinnon would end up still getting the lion's share of work, but speak matches. These guys are at least in a 50, 50, probably a little more for, uh, for Jeff Wilson. And, uh, this Philadelphia defense, not good or not particularly good thus far in the Philadelphia offense, extra bad. So, um, very big spread, kind of surprised a seven point spread here favoring San Francisco at home in this one, but I uh, will talk about that in the ride or die picks. 
Uh, let's see what else do we have to hit on? Oh, last thing to hit on, of course, for the ride or die picks, the troll equity slash troll play of the week, the play that's most likely to screw over a large portion of fantasy players preconceived notions of success heading into week four. Uh, Pete, who would be your troll play of the week heading into week four? Yeah. So I'm going to do kind of a, an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, we've now seen Alvin Kamara. He's just like the lock of all locks, right? I mean, in, in both DFS season long, his workload is insane. He's averaging like 10 catches a game. Uh, he's getting goal line work. And yet it just feels like Latavius Murray emerging from underneath the bridge as the ultimate troll Right when everyone's finally back on board with Alvin Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray goes for two touchdowns against Detroit. The troll game is coming, and I believe it's going to be this week. Interesting. Yeah, Kamara going to be one of the highest owned plays on the week. A reasonable price for him. And uh, as we talked about on the Sunday night show, uh, he's been looking amazing so far. As Pete mentioned, getting 10 targets a game, nine catches. Also, maybe a little reason to not worry as much about Latavius Murray is that Kamara is getting the red zone work. 1.7 carries within the five each game, um, which is significantly more than Murray. He was getting just under 0.5. So, you know, I think Kamara is certainly going to be chalky. So some reasons to move away in GPPs, but uh, for cash games, I think if you are playing those, uh, Kamara would be the dude. Guy who I think for me, the troll play of the week would be just honestly not playing DJ, Ch- uh, not DJ Chark, excuse me, DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Chark always on the brand for me, but DJ Moore is so cheap. And I just don't know that he's going to get the work in a consistent way. And even if he does, you know, it is the most variant position in football that we're talking about. And Arizona, their defense has looked better this year. Uh, You know, DJ Moore looks like going to be getting Drake Kirkpatrick, who's not the best cover guy. Um, Definitely not a dude who I would think um, is going to be, you know, necessarily shut him down. But all it takes is him underperforming or just having kind of a cash game day. And for me, that's enough for DJ Moore. If he's going to be 25, 30% owned, I think that's the kind of guy you move away from. But Pete, I, see, I saw you kind of blanched at that one. So DJ Moore at a cheap price on DraftKings. Is he somebody you anticipate going with a heavy, heavy ownership on? Yeah, that's a thing. I, lo- I love DJ Moore. And he would be, you know, like week one, like Terry McLaurin was my guy. Week two, it was Allen Robinson. I have this type, which are these alpha wide receivers on bad teams with bad quarterbacks that people don't want to play. However, like you mentioned, his price is way too cheap this week that I think everyone's going to be on it. And of course, it's a good game environment versus the Cardinals. So I'm really keeping an eye on the ownership right now. Most places I've seen is about 20%, which is where Allen Robinson settled in last week which I'm okay with to your point if it gets up to 30 35 percent then I have to really start to rethink things but all of his peripherals as far as his targets his air yards um, are all really nice so I uh, I might take a stand in our ride or die picks on on DJ oh man I think to me I would say for if you're playing a good amount of GPP lineups this week I would say go to Robbie Anderson you know Mike Davis is going to be pretty highly owned too so maybe that's not one way to get different but Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are basically running the exact same amount of routes. And Anderson's been targeted uh, about the same amount as well, a 7.7 targets a game compared to 8.7 for DJ Moore. And Robbie, we know we, we he splash play Bob for a reason. He can break these games open. So um, I think, you know, DJ Moore, I get it, very cheap price. But Robbie Anderson, also capable of breaking things open in a matchup where they're going to need some points. Uh, ride or die plays time, guys. So hit that like button, subscribe. And uh, the game has taken a turn because of the new scoring system. Pete, I don't even know if you've if you've seen this yet. Uh, we actually tied last week because of the new scoring system. So we are now 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Uh, How does that make you feel? 
Yeah, so in the way we tied too, because now that the rules are there's different points levels, if you have a, a spread pick or something more conservative, it's worth one point. If you get a little more risky with a third and long pick, that's three points. And then the Hail Mary with 10 points, we each got three one-pointers, correct? I uh, Wait, I think it was a little different. I think you got a th- three, if I'm remembering correctly. Hold I'm pretty on. sure we both had three, three right. So three one-pointers. Where did it go? Where did it go? Um, let's see. You got one, one. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I think you were on the verge of getting a three pointer. Then you didn't get it. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, it's showing, I think the scoring system's working, uh, our more, uh, hail Mary picks haven't been hitting, uh, but it allows one of us to, to get back even in a hurry. So again, to simplify things, we'll, we'll mention if it's a one pointer, three pointer going for a hail Mary, but otherwise it's just us taking a stand on a player or a game environment and uh, some kind of hot take spin on it. So I say we get to it. I went through these before the show. I'm ready to score more than three points. <laughs> it's, we, I, we're all ready to score more than three points, hopefully. But that's why uh, that's why now we just say it's a tie in week three. One, one, and one for me and Pete. But here's the first game of tough one to open up with. Cleveland getting 25 and a half implied points against Dallas. Getting 30.5 implied points for them. 56 point over under uh, that totals come up a half point over the course of the week so far. Uh, a lot of ownership. It looks like for Dak, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. And um, I'll let you go first, Pete. So you could set the table. Yeah. So the guy that's jumping out to me in this game, and I do think it's an interesting game in that I don't think Dallas is going to command the kind of chalk that we've seen. I think people see the Cleveland side and they kind of just are like, no, this is gross. People are going to play Zeke but I don't think that everyone else is going to catch a ton of ownership. I think the price on Jarvis Landry has now gotten too cheap and Jarvis hasn't been seeing the volume he was previously, but he's also been dealing with a little bit of the hip injury. And they've also had two back-to-back games where they've been running the ball really well. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt doing well on the ground in week one against the Ravens. Jarvis Landry had a better game in a negative uh, game script. So Jarvis Landry, 5,100 on DraftKings. I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry's going to 4X. This is a, a three-pointer here. So uh, at, at that would put him at what? Around 18.4 points, DraftKings points, really nicely paying off that value. and might be a good pivot off of DJ Moore if you are worried about that shock. I'm gonna so I'm gonna take an easy one here, not an easy one, but I'm gonna take a, a straightforward one here. I'm gonna take the under at 56 points because I do think Cleveland's capable of running the ball down the Cowboys' throat, and they've shown with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, uh, bringing that philosophy that he had in Minnesota, which uh, you would have assumed was maybe something that was forced upon him when he took over that role, but he's bringing it to Cleveland, running 53% of the time. I think they could squeeze the air out of the ball here, maybe keep the Cowboys off the field a little bit more, um, especially if they get some stops in the defense. So. I'll take under 56 here, which uh, does not does not make sense based on what we know of Dallas's defense so far. But uh, it seems you like to run; they'll bleed it out. Uh, and one other interesting thing too, I noticed uh, Hunt has missed back to back practices now, so he's a big key of them being able to play up tempo when they're down. Uh, so that's just something to pay attention to as well. And certainly some more work for Nick Chubb if uh, Hunt doesn't get in there. More pass game work and definitely some more touches. So keep an eye, as always, keep an eye on those injuries as you get closer to lock. Next game, Indianapolis, the bane of my existence, getting 22.8 implied points against Chicago. 43 point over-under. This over-under has actually come down a point and a half over the course of the week. I'm still bullish on Nick Foles here, and I feel like that's... 
Oh, man, the Indianapolis defense is hard to get a read on, but I think I'm going to take Allen Robinson over 20 fantasy points this week. I feel like that's, uh, I think he's going to benefit a lot more from having Foles out there. And I think last week was not an aberration. He's going to get the work whether they are in a tight game or not. So that's my pick. All right. Yep. That's a three pointer there. Allen Robinson, he did it last week, but always tough to string together uh, multiple big games in a row. This, I, this game just makes me so mad when I, I just, both these teams are frustrating me right now. That said, uh, my pick is going to be Jonathan Taylor. I think his price is too cheap and that these past few weeks or this last week in particular, where he didn't really ball out is kind of masking the fact that he is still very much the guy there. So even though he's like the 15th highest projected uh, guy to score, I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor, top five running back on DraftKings this week at 6,600 for a little little three-pointer there from me. Yeah, the Bears' run defense looking shockingly bad so far. Yards per rush, not a perfect stat, but they're giving up five yards per rush so far. So team committed to the run can potentially get some results here. We'll find out a low total, though, for that game, so a little bit scary. Not one in the game stack, probably. Next game up, Chargers getting 18.3 implied points against Tampa Bay, who's getting 25.3. Chargers, I, I thought they were a dark horse of the Super Bowl. They are not looking at so far. Over and under this game is 43.5 implied points, uh, or I guess it's not implied, just actually what it is. And that one's come down a point over the course of the week. Pete, I'll let you go first here. Yeah, so I hate what pick I'm about to make because this guy could have been in our uh, Dusty or Do category, and this is a guy... I was not drafting. I was firmly saying he's dust. And then here I am. Rob Gronkowski leads the team in targets last week. He has seven targets. He ran uh, a route on a season high, 63% of drop back. So much more involved than he was earlier. Uh, it sounds like Godwin's not going to play. Scotty Miller is on the injury report. People are saying Mike Evans has a tough matchup against Casey Hayward. Everything is pointing toward Gronk having a solid game here. So I'm going to do Gronk at 3,600. I'm going to say he five X's. Gronk five X's, a little three-pointer there from me. Uh, Gronk is the tight end pump play of the week. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, Gronk has been involved. He's joked about being a blocking tight end. Seems like he's going to have some better pass receiving days because he did not sign, one would assume, just to block. Um, I'm going to take Keenan Allen. I'm going to keep taking some wide receiver ones who I think are undervalued. Uh, Keenan Allen, I think, getting over 20 fantasy points is another one. I think, I wouldn't say it's a sure thing by any stretch, but he's getting the work again. We've seen last year maybe some concern uh, that he started hot last year and then fell off the cliff, but um, he's running the kind of routes that you like to see him run. Some short routes, but also getting a, a few deep balls a game two deep targets of 20 plus yards a game. And I think they're going to be trailing in this one because Tampa Bay has shown uh, really a, a lot so far, I think, in terms of having a more competent defense and having Tom Brady be able to control the ball. But Keenan Allen will be my guy here over 20 fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about, I mean, Herbert has just like fully unlocked Keenan Allen because it was looking real dicey there with Tyrod and Herbert will just feed Keenan. So I, I like that call. Yeah, he definitely fed both uh, Keenan and Eckler last week to this offense, and you that's what you want to see, your best players getting the ball. It sounds uh, like a very rudimentary thing, but sometimes that can get away from some of the, even the sharper coaches out there. Um, in this game, uh, the Chargers with an 18-point implied total, they need to get some points on the board. Uh, next game up, Seattle getting 30 implied points against Miami, who's got 24 implied points, 54-point over-under. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do, I'll take one out of the the. Actually, no, because uh, the both teams play kind of slow. I was going to make a bold call here because you actually almost nailed that Rams-Bills one last week, which didn't make a ton of sense being the highest scoring. Um, what was it? Was it the second? 
I think it was it was second or third, but it was okay. like much higher than the, the over under was yeah. from Vegas. Um, I think it's possible this one gets there just because both teams don't defend pretty well on a per play basis. But uh, I'm going to say for me, I'm trying to think what's a creative bet. Pete, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I actually we're kind of in in line here, and I I am gonna get uh, I'm gonna throw up a hail mary ten pointer here and say that press or not Preston Devonte Parker is in the winning Millie Maker lineup. The thought being Seattle's gonna be able to score. I'm not sure how they're gonna do it. Could be through the air, could be on the ground, but I do think Miami is gonna have to play catch up. And Parker has really kind of established himself as that alpha there. He had you know last week. Fitz didn't throw that much against the Jags, but he had almost 50% of Fitz's passing yards. So he's the alpha here. And uh, I think he finds his way into the winning Millie Maker lineup at 5,700. Also, Jets closing the gap here. Rippian giving up a pit six, pick six, it looks like. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Two point game. So fun, fun game. Thursday night, never, never a bad thing as a football game. I'll defend that to my death. Uh, for me now, I guess in this game, uh, the Carson thing, I feel like would, would open up Hyde if he's not playing. But. I'll, you know, I'll focus on something a little more easy. I'll take Tyler Lockett uh, doing something here. I'll take Tyler Lockett in the, uh, in the Millionaire Maker. I'll take that one. I feel like that's, that's a play that I enjoy quite a bit here. Didn't take it for T.Y. Hilton, though. I thought about doing that just out of pure stubbornness, but it wasn't the matchup for it. But I think that Tyler Lockett getting a lot of work here, almost 10 targets a game with the amount of deep targets he gets, though. Um, he's been getting a little less. Some of them going to DK Metcalf. I think that's going to even out a little bit more this week. I like the matchup for Lockett overall against that secondary. So uh, he'll be in the millionaire maker, hopefully. Well, and if one of us is right, that means the other one has a decent chance to be right too. We both sure. could easily have, a, not easily, but it's plausible for Parker and Lockett to both be in the winning Millie Maker lineup for sure. I like Miami's offense too. I feel like that's one thing. I, I don't know that I believe enough in the stack, but they're going to have to score here. And, and Miami has shown that they are willing, uh, despite I don't believe a ton in Chan Gailey as a coordinator. I feel like it was a bit of a downgrade going to him. Uh, Fitzpatrick's being able to sling when they're trailing. And uh, I think there'll be a spot here where they'll be trailing because Seattle's offense looks pretty unstoppable. Uh, next game up, Jacksonville getting 23 implied points. Cincinnati getting 26 implied points over under here. 49 has come up a point over the course of the week. Uh, both defenses here not looking too great. And um, you know what? I'm going to say James Robinson over 20 fantasy points. I'm going to stick with the over 20s here. I'm going to take a bit of a different approach trying to lean in on the over 20s. But I like James Robinson a lot. I like the pass game work, especially I think the fact that he seemed like he took a few routes off the table from Chris Thompson. That bodes well for him. And um, to me, he's been one of the guys who's, I I feel like, helped me out quite a bit in uh, some of my longer term projections and buying into this Jacksonville backfield. Uh, So James Robinson's the guy for me. Yeah, I like it. I mean, James Robinson, top five uh, PPR running back on the year so far, looks really, really good. I'm going to go with a brand play. People uh, forget that I love LaVisca Chenault. I'm going to say LaVisca Chenault, highest scoring Jaguar over James Robinson, over Gardner Minshew. Uh, DJ Chark seems uh, questionable to play at best. Uh, He looked explosive on his few touches last week. Hopefully. Hopefully they agree to uh, to give him some more some more work, and I think he's been so efficient and explosive with touches that it is just a matter of volume. And if he sees 15 touches, uh, he really could could pop off. I'm probably going to still be a couple weeks early on this, but I don't care. This is the splash play pod. We're chasing splash plays. 
It just worries me that they don't give him deep shots. And I know at some point that's got to change, but like if he had taken over Chark's role, which, you know, we watched that game last Thursday, and I, even though I gave Pete a good ribbing about that one, like if you treated him like Chark, I think he would be Chark, but they're just not treating him like that for whatever reason. And it's probably frustrating for all the Visca. F- you you turned so many people onto LaVisca Chenault, by the way, where like I feel like you've created a cult and you're just slowly leading them over to the Jonestown massacre. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is interesting because. Visca has that all around skill set. He was a really good wide receiver in college, but it seems like the Jags have pigeonholed him as this kind of, you know, guy that they want to give carries to just use like very um, in the short and intermediate route. So I agree with you. I want to see him have a little bit uh, bigger average depth of target. And if there's no chart, we saw what Chris Conley did with those deep yeah, targets last week and it was horrendous. So yeah, let's let Visca get loose downfield a couple times. Hopefully, hopefully the Jags coaches are listening amongst many of our new fans, and we appreciate very much. So uh, please, Jake Rudin, listen to us. Next game up, New Orleans getting 29 employed points despite being a disastrous team so far besides Alvin Kamara. Detroit getting 25 implied points to over under here. One of the high ones we talked about, 54 points. The line has stayed flat. Actually, both sides have stayed flat throughout the week. And um, yeah, I, I feel like Alvin Kamara, this, got, this is like the one player that's going to have ownership. Uh, do we know anything on Michael Thomas yet? Is he closer to being in or no? Yeah, the it sounds like he's questionable, but on the good side of questionable, there was an article today out of Saints camp, and it sounded like the team was um, very hopeful that he'd be able to play. And I, I still like, I don't even know if I buy into him as like a prop against Kamara. That feels tough. Um, I'll say, I'm trying to look who's got the the matchup I feel the best about. Uh, you know, going against early season Marshawn Lattimore, never a bad move. I will take... Kenny Galladay, what, what would it be for Kenny Galladay outscoring Michael Thomas? Would that be higher than Kenny Galladay gets 20 or would that be the same score? Um, No, I, I would, I would give you a, a three pointer for Kenny Galladay outscoring uh, Michael Thomas. If he, if he's a, a full go. Um, so it gets a little tricky. Uh, like if they say like, Oh, Michael Thomas on a snap count, you know, then obviously Kenny Galladay is uh, going to be the better projected play. I'll take the Galladay over 20 then. I'll keep it simple. I'll stick with my over 20. We're we're doing different game theory approaches each week, and my trying to project guys are going to get over 20 fantasy points seems like one that's going to really pay dividends, I would hope. So Kenny Galladay over 20. This is a weird one too. Like I'm just pulling it up and you look at the plays in this game, and and like Spags mentioned, Kamara is going to be the only one that catches ownership. Something feels off to me, and I'm kind of inclined to take the under, which I am here, under 54 points. To me, Breeze just isn't the same. Maybe Michael Thomas isn't fully back. We really haven't seen the Lions fully clicking as Galladay works his way back. We know Patricia wants to run Adrian Peterson 20 times a game and slow the game down. So I'm, I'm going to take the a little gimme, a one-pointer, and, t- and take the under here because not a lot else is jumping out to me. Yeah, no, I think that that seems fair. And uh, yeah, the Peterson thing baffling, but maybe he'll get into the end zone because the New Orleans defense looking terrible in the red zone so far, giving up 6.3 points per red zone trip, which is one of the worst marks in the league. Uh, Arizona next up getting 27 implied points against Carolina, who gets 24 implied points of their own. Uh, the over-under here, 51, has come down a point, so they are not quite in the same tier as some of the other high over-under games. And um, I'm going to take this, the one that I had mentioned earlier. Robbie Anderson outscores DJ Moore. I don't buy into the DJ Moore chalk this week. I, I get it. I get I like DJ Moore as a player, but he should not be really no receiver besides a Michael Thomas if he were super cheap should be. And even him uh, maybe shouldn't be that highly owned. Um, if he gets over 25 right now, the places I'm looking at have him projected for over 25, uh, Robbie Anderson outscoring him would be a play that I would be happy to take. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good, a good three point shot there. I am though, I'm going the other direction. I'm, I'm, I'm buying DJ Moore here. I'm going to say, so it does actually sound like Hopkins has missed the past two practices with an ankle. And you're probably wondering how does this have to do with DJ Moore, but you'll see here in a second, I'm going to say DJ Moore outside of Kyler Murray, who I think will be the highest scoring fantasy player in this game. I will say DJ Moore is the second highest scoring player in this game. Um, scoring more points than anyone other than Kyler Murray. So that's my pick, DJ Moore. Okay. Uh, it's funny. He actually, uh, according to Osmo, who's the, the data that I use, and um, that don't look, they'll be mad about giving away this early in the cycle. He's DJ Moore's projected for more than DeAndre Hopkins right now, which really, so, yeah, I'm looking at the blitz right now has DeAndre Hopkins at 21.85. But I do think if this ankle stuff continues to to persist that you got to throttle that down as far as for like this bet, you know, Teddy Bridgewater projects for more Mike Davis projects for more. Um, and then you got to assume too, I assume Kenyon Drake's projection would get a, a bump up if, uh, if Don Deandre Hopkins were to miss as well. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, kind of, you know, looking at the projections here relative to the ownership, like if you have Mike Davis and DJ Moore, that side of the equation, uh, they're going to be pretty highly owned for DFS. But if you go to the Arizona side, they're going to be a bit less owned, maybe run it back with a Robbie Anderson. Like I think this, this game stack kind of interesting relative to the projections because there's a lot of dudes here projected for 18, 19, 20 fantasy points. And our projections are a median projection. So the <laughs> hope would be that these guys can have more upside um, in a game that has a pretty high over-under. Next game, Baltimore getting 29 implied points here. Their totals come down a bunch since it opened. Open at 31.8. It's down almost three points. Washington getting 16 implied points in a game with a 45 over-under. So this Vegas, it seems, or at least the, bet, the betting so far, coming in here for a, a strong Baltimore ass-whooping after they uh, were kind of embarrassed on Monday night. And it does seem, if you're going to put it down on anybody, Washington without Chase Young especially, going to be out for a couple weeks uh, it does seem like this should be the spot where they do that. And uh, I'm going to take the Baltimore cover. It's a 13-point road spread, but this feels to me like one of those Lamar Jackson uh, SEC-style games where it's it's Alabama playing, not that he played for Alabama, but Alabama playing Vanderbilt, and they're just, and Nick Saban's <laughs> mad, and he's just like, I'm just going to make everybody feel bad about themselves. So that's what I'm going with here. They cover a 13, 13-point spread. Yeah, we're in we're in line here. Uh, mine is going to be kind of similarly aggressive with the Ravens dominating. Although sometimes I'm looking at all my notes here for these picks, and I'm like, these are all just things I want to happen, <laughs> not necessarily what I think will actually happen. Um, so here's another thing that I want to happen: as I have a like one of my uh, home leagues that I've been in for a long time with these buddies. It's like a keeper contract league. This was our tenth year doing it, and uh, I have. Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown in that league. And I was pretty excited to get both of those guys in the draft and they have really been struggling. I mean, Mark Andrews had that brutal drop in the end zone against the chief Marquise Brown keeps getting, you know, six targets a game uh, and just not connecting with them. So I'm going to say Mark Andrews and uh, Marquise Brown combined for 40 plus DraftKings points, each of them putting up the, the 20 plus burger. So I'm with you. Ravens finally get going and, and everyone eats in fantasy. And it does look like a stack that won't have anybody on it. So if you, you know, buying in on the, the bounce back game for Baltimore, we know they can put it on them. Um, and I think you, they need it. I think after that game, probably not the best for their confidence after what Kansas City did to them. Uh, next game up here, Minnesota getting 24.8 implied points against Houston, who's got 29.8. Uh, this one to me, Seems like a sneaky shootout of the week. Both teams playing faster than you would think. 
Um, Minnesota been willing to throw it a little bit more, though. Kirk Cousins actually um, not throwing a ton of passes per game, only 26 per game. But when he's throwing it, he's throwing it downfield. Justin Jefferson got off last week. Uh, Will Fuller, I think, should really take advantage of this matchup against a bad Minnesota secondary. So I'll take the over on this game. But I would also say, you know, just this is not my ride or die pick, but stacking this thing is something I'm going to be doing a lot of. I think running it back with Dalvin with a Houston stack to me looks really appealing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you too. A little cold water poured on this. Will Fuller popped up on the injury report it, today oh with a hamstring God. injury. And it's just like every single time, like the second you think you're out of the woods, it's like, okay, Will Fuller has a good game against Pittsburgh. No one wanted to play him. Now we get him in this shootout spot. Let's go. And he's on the injury report. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited about this game. I would love to have Fuller in it. So I will just do a safer pick in that I think he's going to play. Uh, and I'll do Brandon Cooks. He's 4,500. He was in the air yards by low model. Uh, Mike Clay says he has an easy matchup. Uh, Pat Thorman says this is a pace up game. It seems like the stars are kind of aligning for Brandon Cooks. So I will say a 4X for Brandon Cooks at 4,500. This is one of those games where neither team has a very high time of possession because their defenses are so bad. And as a result, you're going to see more plays than either side has had so far. So yeah, uh, Cooks, I agree. I think he looks pretty good getting the deep work and certainly going to get more deep work uh, right now, getting two deep targets a game. And if he soaks up a little bit from Will Fuller, that could be big results here. Next game up, Giants getting 17.5 implied points against the Rams. We're getting 30.5 implied points. Very high total here against the Giants, though. Uh, the Giants have not looked good so far. And I really don't have a strong lean on this one. I uh, I think it's going to hit the over, and I get a well, 48-point over-under. Um, yeah, actually, you know, you can make your bet first. I'll, maybe there'll be a better one that occurs to me. So uh, if, our, if our listeners aren't familiar with the term martingale, it's a, a betting system where you keep just doubling your bet until you're right. You know, people have tried this at Blackjack. It's like, oh, if you lose a dollar, you just bet two. If you lose two, you bet four. And uh, that's what I'm going to do with Darius Slayton. I'm going to continue to martingale Darius Slayton. He has 22 targets through the first three weeks. He has a 35% share of their air yards. I think the big games are coming. You can get burned with these kind of deep threat guys, but I'm going to say 20 plus points for Darius Slayton. Okay. Yeah. Darius Slayton uh, certainly owes Pete something in that <laughs> respect. Might have maybe a little rub and tug. Like, <laughs> your favorite football player. We'll do the inverse of the normal podcasting agreement. Um, I guess I'm going to take, God, the, the backfield is a mess. I feel like the receiving core is kind of a mess for the Rams. I don't know where they're getting 30.5 implied points from, but I guess Jared Goff ends up as a top five quarterback would be my assumption based upon this is that there's going to be some way he's going to put points. The reason you follow the Vegas totals because Vegas is going to be right more often than you are. And nothing occurs to me, obviously. So I feel like Goff being a top five QB, it's got, how are they going to get 30.5 points? Like, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. It, you know, the other interesting thing too, it does sound like Cam Akers is going to miss another game. Darrell Henderson running really well. It, he does only have a two down role. He's not getting much pass work. They're actually giving that to Malcolm Brown, but he had 20 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown and looks like the guy everyone expected him to be last year when they drafted him. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the pass game and I could see Darrell Henderson having another similar line this week. 
know, the red zone work also going Henderson's way. So that's going to help keep his value up uh, most weeks, especially if the Rams keep getting these high totals. Uh, so actually Henderson might be kind of sneaky at running back. I'm going to actually make, I'm going to make a mental note to get some exposure to Henderson because he has not been popping up for me. You're welcome, Spags. <laughs> yeah, this week, Pete, I'll, I'll credit you as the thought leader of, of Rams backfields. <laughs> Terrell Henderson thought leader. New, new Twitter name incoming. Uh, next game up, one we talked about a little bit earlier, New England getting 23.3 implied points, heading into Kansas City with its partially filled stadium and a game with a 53-point over-under. Kansas City getting 29.8 implied points on their side. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I do think this Kansas City offense is going to find success. I don't know. I mean, there's enough guys who sat out this year for the Patriots defense where I thought it made sense that they would be worse, but uh, guys like Gilmore not being good or even Jonathan Jones, who was pretty good uh, covering a variety of spots last year as well, uh, definitely surprises me. So I, uh, what can we do for the stack? What's a good bet for the stack? Um, What, what are you thinking? Um, I feel like... Like the three man stack isn't owned, so I feel like just there should be something to be like, hey, this this stack's gonna be pretty good. This this, this underappreciated Kansas City Chiefs offense is gonna be pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you could do something that similar to what I did with Andrews and Marquise Brown. Oh, okay, so over um, forty could... points combined. All right, um, yeah. but then I have to pick the two guys, right? That's a little bit tougher with this offense. Um, that's that's why it's a three pointer. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's the tough part of the game. I will say that Patrick Mahomes gets there with Tyreek Hill and oh, Hardman is looking so good. I uh, But I'm going to say that I'll say it's a, a classic Hill Kelsey, uh, very under owned stack because they're expensive, but uh, a little bit less expensive than they should be because of the Patriots getting that respect. So I'll say they both combined for 40 points along with Mahomes. Okay. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm with you too. I I think this Patriots team is a little bit fraudulent and I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to play from behind. They just don't have the passing weapons that you're going to need to keep up with the Chiefs. And so I'm with you. I didn't want to just bet the 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 spread and I also just didn't want to bet the over under which I think the Chiefs hit. So I'm going to do a, a first in splash play history. This will just be a three-pointer, but I'm going to parlay the over with the chiefs covering. So I have to hit over 53 and minus seven to get my three points there because I wasn't going to settle for just a one pointer. I like going with the parlay. Parlay is not a plus CV move. There was one guy I was looking at the Reddit r slash sportsbook. One dude hit like, uh, like several 19, 20 leg parlays. <laughs> and he, and he like was complaining because I guess bet MGM, like it set off whatever fraud, you know, awareness thing. And he was like, they banned me because I'm so good. And it's like, no, they would love you to keep playing a 19 leg parlay. That's oh, not yeah. even seven leg parlays are bad moves, but a 19 leg, you're asking 19 individual events to occur together, which, and he's winning. Like, I mean, props to that guy, but yeah. One of my favorite tradit, like I, I, uh, you know, pre Corona, uh, my buddies and I always go out to Vegas or somewhere to watch the divisional round football. And so normally there's college basketball on Saturday and, you know, I know nothing about college basketball, but we'll do like one of those 20 leg parlays where we just bet all the favorites. And, you know, a lot of them are like 15 point, 20 point favorites. But even then to your point, like there will be one landmine, like the, the how hard it is to get that many things right is just absurd. And, uh, but it is a fun sweat. If you're just trying to play it like the lotto, it can be fun. I don't know if that guy's winning, I guess more power to him, but he was spent like $600 for a 19 way parlay. It's like, I, that's a bad, even if you're taking all favorites, that's just not the way to use your money. But Hey, not, who, who am I to say? We are, we don't need responsible gaming here. We, 
got no sponsors. Who cares? Buffalo. We don't, we don't, we, we, we do stat shaming sometimes, but we will not uh, shame people for their, for their gambling oh. proclivities. There bet no bet shaming here. You can have as no. fat of a bet as you want here. You can bring your big dumb twenty leg parlay bets, and we'll be like, hey, "Look, if you believe in it, more power to you." Uh, speaking of believing, Buffalo, a team you can believe in, twenty-eight implied points for them once again. Uh, this offense has slowed down a little from their first uh, smaller sample size. Going against another Vegas team who plays slow, uh, the fifty-three point over/under does seem viable against the Vegas defense that. I think we know sucks pretty bad and a Bills team who can really just move the chains down the field here. But, you know, I think the thought, I love Josh Allen. I think this is a, a terrifying prospect, but I'll say that Devin Singletary is the highest scoring non-QB uh, in this game because I think he gets a little more work here. Zach Moss falling out of favor for the most part. And I don't know. I just feel like he's due and it seems like a spot that I think Buffalo will go over own. So Devin Singletary, step on up. Yeah, I'll say, I mean, I, I like that call. I will say, I don't think Zach Moss fell out of favor he was just out last week with the injury so it will be interesting to see if um they I think it's both back in. I think it's both I think they I mean, he hasn't gotten great results so far I mean he was hurt so I mean yeah granted he can come back in but I you know it's like you, you get a certain point you have to realize like he's probably not ready there's no reason to give a split backfield when you have one back because he's got like you know small sample Singletary's got 4.9 yards per rush compared to 2.8 for Moss like it's a pretty big discrepancy for everything yeah, and my my counter would be the the Bills coaching staff has been pretty stubborn in Fair that point. even last year Singletary or uh, was looked way better than Gore and they just kept giving Gore twelve to thirteen touches a game so it seems like that's kind of what they want to do with the two person backfield but I agree with you Singletary like his agility and uh, I mean he he ran really bad last week getting stuffed at the goal line he could have had a really big game. Um, I'm going to bet with my heart here. It does sound like John Brown is going to be back. I was kind of hoping he'd miss because I really wanted to play a lot of Gabriel Davis at 3,200. He had four catches for 82 yards. He was running kind of those deep routes that John Brown did. And again, I know this is irresponsible of me. I'm I'm staring at the injury report. I know John Brown's probably going to play, but I'm going to say Gabriel Davis, four X's. He kind of feels a little bit like this week's KJ Hamler, which we all know how that turned out. Um, that said, KJ Hamler was in my lineup that won me $10,000. So the thesis of the play is you play Gabriel Davis because it allows you to fit in the other studs. No, that's fair. Gabriel Davis has been a, a surprising, I think, apple of Josh Allen's eye early on so far. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. And then Vegas certainly capable uh, of giving up some numbers. I don't think Vegas pulls their weight, though, with this total. I feel like Buffalo shuts them down. This is too high of a total for Vegas. Yeah, I, I still, again, a thing I've been wrong about uh, most weeks, uh, but I think Vegas is is overvalued, and I think Buffalo is is one of the better teams in the league. So I'm with you, too. If I were to have bet here, I, I would take Buffalo minus three. And the giveaway coming up after this game of Philadelphia, the Sunday night football matchup, getting 19.5 implied points. How the mighty have already fallen with Carson Wentz looking terrible. San Francisco getting 26.5 implied points on there, and the over-under is 46. Uh, That's come up a point over the course of the week. And um, I'll say, you know what, I I just don't. Why not? Carson Wentz, you have killed me so many times, but I'll say he ends up in the showdown winning lineup for for him, despite his his many malapropisms, I if that's a one pointer, that's fine. But I just need to back Carson here being viable because I think people will play him less than they should because of San Francisco's defense and because of the fact that he's looked so bad. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a, at first I was like in the showdown lineup, but on the road, uh, his salary will still be relatively expensive. He'll need to have a solid game, obviously, to to end up in the winning showdown. So yeah, I'll give that to you. I'm I'm on the other side in that. 
I just am so angry after watching the Eagles last week. I, you know, I had rostered plenty of Miles Sanders. That offensive line was just so frustrating. They're down to Greg Ward as their virtually only wide receiver here. Um, so I'm going to say San Francisco minus seven. I'm just going to take the bunny there, the one pointer. Um, I got burned last week betting the Giants because I was like, oh, plus four versus Nick Mullins. Like, come on, give me the points. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan showed me that uh, he can scheme his way uh, regardless of who's playing. And they get George Kittle back this yeah. week. So I'm going to take San Francisco minus seven at home. Yeah, having Kittle back a little bit of a worrisome thing for Philly, but this offense just can't be as bad as it as it continues to look every week. I don't know, but we'll find out on Sunday Night Football. And now is the time, the big giveaway, our first giveaway for Splash Play. So if you're watching this you, and you haven't entered it somehow with, of course, the ways that we offer it, subscribing, reviews on Apple Podcasts, or retweeting things. But the important thing for all of you guys is, is that, uh, here we go, we've got the solo, okay, I, I'm good to go, we are on the the wheel of death, or the wheel of <laughs> success, I don't know why wheel of death is the first thing that came to mind, but the randomizer wheel that Pete knows and loves to draw the winner, and Pete, of course, the prize one more time, the Arnie Winemeister card, tell the people, you've had it in your possession, you feel like you're, actually, you've been winning with the Arnie Winemeister card in your possession, has this occurred to you, that you might be giving away your good luck charm? It hadn't until you said it. Now I just got like really, really nervous about it because I haven't figured out what the unique variable is of this hot streak. And it definitely is this Arnie Weinmeister. Can we not do the giveaway? Can, we, can I just keep- No, unfortunately, now you have to give your power away, your rookie of the year style broken arm. Uh, you have to give away to someone. So Pete, spin the wheel. We'll find out the winner of the Arnie Weinmeister three by five. Yeah, like I said, if you guys subscribed to us on YouTube and had a public YouTube name that I was able to pull, or if you left us an iTunes review or you retweeted us on Twitter, I entered you in. If you did all three of those things, your name is in here three times. So without further ado, it is time to see who gets the extremely lucky Arnie Weinmeister card. Let's do it. Here we go. Gina? Do I see a Gina? Gina Linville. Oh, Gina, a lady. A lady wins. Wow, congrats. The, the girls are doing it, Pete. That's the thing a lot of the other fantasy shows don't tell you. I know. I'm just looking it up right here. It does look like Gina is one of our YouTube subscribers. So, Gina, if you are, what's the best way for them to get in contact with uh, us? Gina, guys? DM us at Splash Play Pod. That's the best way. We'll leave your name in a pinned comment too. Hopefully, you watched the entire show. And if you didn't, uh, we'll give it away to somebody. I guess we'll give it away to our MVP, the person who we think is the MVP. We'll give Gina until Sunday's show, maybe next Thursday's show. We need to give her a full week. Yeah, I mean, if she's a YouTube subscriber, I'm sure she has the notifications on uh, and she'll be uh, watching this right away. But yeah, DM us and uh, we'll get in contact with you uh, for your address and we will ship you this extremely lucky Arnie Weinmeister piece of NFL history. Thank you guys all for doing this giveaway. I would say it's such a smashing success. I might have to go hunting for more pieces of history on eBay here soon. Pete, can you switch back to your face? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, I yeah, like this is the one it's thing like, we 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 record on the fly. It's impossible to edit a two gigabyte file at the end, so this is just how it goes. But wanted to see your beautiful face here for the closer. Um, the game's still going on between the Jets and the Broncos, so that's uh, a fun one to see how this turns out. But Pete, any plugs you want to hit for your return on Sunday night after Sunday night football? 
Yeah, no, uh, you mentioned him earlier on the show. Shout out to Willis's awesome, our splash play accountant going in here, squaring off with Spags in the Google sheet with their various animal anonymous avatars. Uh, no, thank you so much for helping us out uh, with the accounting on this. And uh, thank you for you guys. Uh, I know we've been hammering you for likes and subs and stuff, but uh, putting in a lot of work on this and uh, it's appreciate. Uh, it's nice to see you guys appreciating it as well. So uh, yeah, let's, let's keep this ball rolling. Yeah. We are very thankful for all of you guys watching this. As Pete mentioned, hit that like button, subscribe on YouTube, but subscribe on Apple podcasts as well. The podcast downloads have uh, been spiking as well. Our, our numbers are hitting up in a way for us doing the show only for a month and, uh, you know, and starting a little bit later than we, we probably should have. The, we just show up. We're like the we're like big deals. We show up week one and just start doing a show and expect people to come along. But uh, we appreciate you guys coming along for the journey because it's a lot of fun doing this show. And um, yeah, we we wanna we wanna kick those fantasy footballers' asses. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's all this is is. We don't even like fantasy football. We just want to take down the footballers. <laughs> Those guys, the Foot Clan. I'm a Ninja Turtles guy, and I won't stand for uh, for this sort of glorification of of evil villains in the Ninja Turtles universe. But we appreciate you guys. Hit the like button before you go. We'll be back Sunday night after Sunday night football. So thank you guys for watching, and uh, enjoy all your football. Bye, guys. <laughs>